men and women are foregoing the 9 till 5 jobs introduced during the industrial age as they embrace new technologies within the digital revolution. And these two chaps are here to help. Welcome to the Powerful Nonsense Podcast, the show about mindfulness and entrepreneurship in the digital economy. With your hosts, Wayne Ingram and Jem Yildiz. Well, well. We disappear for nearly two weeks. We keep doing this and we're sorry. And in those two weeks, everything happens. It's been crazy. It has been a crazy couple of weeks. But we are back. With a vengeance. With a bang. With a bang. With With a nutty bang. With a nutty, nutty bang. Because today we are interviewing Akeem Ajuko. Oh, that was good pronunciation. I'm impressed. If that's how it's said, anyway. I hope so. Sorry if it's not Akeem. But yes, so we have just finished interviewing Akeem, who you may recognise from Dragon's Den. For his product called The Wild Peanut. Yes. Yes. So it's a great interview. But before we go into that, because we haven't addressed it, because it's been that long since we've recorded an episode, I feel that I have to mention the passing of Robin Williams. Ah, uh, bit of a tribute, is it? I feel it needs to be done because that guy was an inspiration to me and an inspiration to millions and he millions He made a lot of people millions. smile. He did. So, um, yeah, just rest in peace, Robin. That's really all I've got to say. And just in regards to his mental health, just a call out to everyone. If you know someone that's suffering, just be there to comfort them. Because they probably need it. I really like that way. I really like that. And I agree totally. I kind of just felt it need to be said. I thought it would be remiss of me to not mention it. So so rest in peace, Robin. So that was a sombre note. But we have got a great interview for you. Um, And I think you'll see a side to Akeem that really didn't come across on Dragon's Den. I say see a side, hear a side to Akeem that didn't come across on Dragon's Den. Great interview. Great guy. Have you got anything to add, Jim? Yeah, and I think you'll find a little bit about the actual what goes on in the background of um, yeah. Dragon's Den, which I found really interesting. And I just think he's a great guy. He's involved with TEDx. He's got this product going. He's started businesses when he was 16. There's just so much knowledge in there. And he's got a really great take on education, which we totally agreed with with him. And I guess we should probably let you listen to it. Yeah. So, so without further is. ado, Akeem Ajuko. Okay, Akeem, welcome to the uh, Powerful Nonsense podcast. Please could you introduce yourself and tell our audience what you do? Hi guys. Um, yeah, my name's Akeem Ojuko. Um, I'm 25 years old um, and I run a company called The Wild Peanut, which is um, flavoured natural peanut butter with no additives and no preservatives. That's available in five flavours currently, which is chilli, cinnamon, honey, banana and chocolate. Okay, so I, I saw you on Dragon's Den and I was just like, First of all, I saw the peanut butter and I was like, I need to get me some, I need to get me some of this. But then another thing was I really liked who you were and I thought, oh, it's a young person creating a product. First thing we really want to know is, what is it like standing in that room? <laughs> well, yeah, that's always the question that, that is really, uh, it's, it's always a really important question that, that people ask, to be honest. And it's it's um, it's quite a surreal experience, you know, especially when you've watched it for so many years to actually be there. Um, the first thing you, you experience is that you're a lot, you're a lot closer to, um, to them than you realise. You're, you're, you're probably literally, you may be just a few metres away from them, although on the TV it always looks like you're further away. So um, on Deborah Meaden's lap. <laughs> almost um but yeah i mean the whole day is quite it's quite it's quite strange you know um a, a lot of things you, you realize happens that you didn't expect and and vice versa um but i mean yeah it was it, it was quite a, quite a good experience you know it was a great experience in general um and 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 i, I think the biggest thing that to 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 be surprised about though when you when i went there was the fact that you're actually pitching for a lot longer than you think. Um, and um, I mean, the average pitch, I remember I, I heard it from someone before I um, I went on that the average pitch lasts about an hour and 15 minutes. And, you know, oh, from, wow. watching, from watching it on TV, you, you thought, you know, you always think, okay, maybe, you know, I, I know it's edited, but I, I, I would say about half an hour is an average pitch. 
Mm. Um, but I mean, to be honest, it's um, it mine lasted a lot longer. It lasted just over two and a half hours. Two so, and a half hours. Wow. Yeah. So it was it was really really intense. I mean, the part <laughs> the, the parts that were actually shown was maybe about forty five minutes into grilling. Oh my lord. <laughs> um, which is the reason why it almost seemed like you know. Uh, I didn't just go into the den. So yeah, I mean, yeah, it was it was pretty pretty crazy how long I was um was there for. So do, so, you, do you sorry, do you sorry. think they do you like the way they sort of portrayed you? I mean, a lot of people I know really liked that sort of I think you had quite a lot of vulnerability that people saw. Um or do you feel like they kind of changed to how you kind of felt you came across? No, nah, I knew that that was going to happen anyway because that was for TV. Uh, you know, to be honest, I'm quite surprised that, that a lot of you know the the sort of I wouldn't say I wouldn't say typical lines you know was was you know was was said but I, I you know there was a lot of things that I was even surprised that they didn't even include actually of you know of smart you know like you know smart remarks etc. Uh, okay. um, but but I mean to be honest it's um, I kind of expected it I expected that but I also I also realised that you know ultimately. It, you know, some of the things that are just asked, you know, purely to, to make things and make the situation a little bit more awkward. But that's te- television, isn't it? You know, um, you know, going into the den is quite funny because you, you try to memorize all of the numbers at the top of your head, you know, turnover year one, two and three, net profits, etc. Um, you know, gross profits. And it's probably about maybe a, 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 at least 20 or 30 different numbers that's running around your head. Mm-hmm. Um and it's very easy to simply forget one. Um, and it's quite, it's, um, it, it, it made me realize a lot, you know, when entrepreneurs do go on and, you know, they, they, they answer either incorrectly or they don't, they can't answer the question on the figures that it's portrayed that they just don't know it, but really it's because of the whole pressure of the, of the situation. They've just forgotten the answer to it a lot of the time. Um, so yeah, I mean it was a but it was a really good experience, you know, and of course it's really really helped with the exposure as well, which is to be honest the main reason most people seem to go on after talking to other fellow entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um you mentioned that there was uh a few bits that you were surprised that they didn't include. I was just wondering if you yeah. could uh share with the <laughs> share with the audience any favorite bits that Yeah, I mean what <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean uh, uh, well, well, you know, an interesting part I, I, I remember was, you know, Pete. Pete well, again, this wasn't shown, but you know, Peter Jones hate hates peanut butter, and he mentioned that you know, several, several times. And what he what he kept he, what he said was, you know, I'd rather eat my own hand, you know, than eat peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't put that. There's a couple of other things, you know, that was that they didn't put in, but ultimately. Uh, I, I guess I guess it just comes down to the fact that the producers probably wanted to do a balance of things that was kind of fair for the portrayal and things that weren't. Um, and there was a lot. Like I said, if they if I think if they stuck in all of those sort of comments and stuff, you know, it would be um, it, it it may have come across a bit unfair. Likewise, uh, likewise, uh, there was a lot of there was a lot of interest, you know, that wasn't shown. Um, from the edit as well you know um so i guess it's just a balance and i think in hindsight now i've realized you know it's it's um the lot for television which is the reason why you know there's fellow entrepreneurs that i know i know i actually know three um that has that has even purely just gone and gone in the den with no with no need they didn't they don't didn't actually want investment they had an angel investor behind them anyway and they went and they simply just went in for the exposure which means even if they even if they got the, the the offer, they would accept on TV, but afterwards they'll just reject. Um, so I mean, it's 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 mu- a lot of a lot of entrep- a lot of businesses are using it more as a springboard publicity um, um, thing rather than than going on, you know, generally um, for investment. But again, that's not all of them. Of course, that's just what some people are doing. Um, we obviously want to jump into your sort of entrepreneurial journey can you hear me my audio okay yeah yeah i can hear you cool so just getting a bit of fuzz on my end um one thing you said while you was on there was that you've always been an on you've always been into entrepreneurship since you was young could you sort of give us some examples of that yeah and i mean it's this is my fourth business now 
Um, and likewise, you know, contrary to what, again, another point that, that one of the dragons mentioned, you know, that that it, it's not one of one of two of any of these reasons, which is, you know, none of none of the none of the actual businesses failed um, essentially, and 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 secondly, none of the businesses actually. I also didn't just leave because of. I got bored or et cetera. It was more of the circumstance of me wanting to move on to the next situation, um, opportunity. And it, it started when I was six, well, 16, 17, basically. So just after my 17th birthday. And I, um, managed to become an online national reseller for uh, a number of, uh, key brands, um, for HD ready TVs. And it, it just really came from the fact that one time I just went into a uh, I went into a shopping centre and it was back maybe about eight or nine years ago as you may remember where HD TVs were first being shown and it was almost that you know people were so excited about the difference between normal televisions and HD TVs and I spotted the opportunity and managed to sign an agreement with a with a company called Gem Distribution and and um, that gave me the opportunity to to be an on be an online reseller at that age. Which made me a, a, about seven or eight thousand pounds profit very very quickly. Um, How were you doing that? I was just doing that simply from buying in job lots um, and then reselling each one individually, uh, making profit. So I started because I only had money to buy one to start with, and then managed to resell and make enough profit to buy two, and then just went from there. And how so, were you getting your customers? Was it online or was it just yeah, yeah completely? So it was all on eBay, all on eBay. Ah, okay. Yeah, so I was selling completely on eBay um through that and then after that i moved on to university and and um where i set up an events management company with two friends um uh, called south star promotions and and at the time it was really quite a small affair where there was only about maybe 100 to 200 people that was coming to the events and it grew to five to six hundred and then a thousand plus um and you know we grew a team to to like 21 22 people um you know all, all, all working with us over the over a number of a couple of years and um i eventually left that and moved on one one of the actual three are still continuing that to this day and we we, we it grew a massive success but it really taught me the importance at that point of working with people and the importance of building relationships and after that is um uh, I, I had an opportunity to gain a contract with a with a marketing uh, as far as you know being a marketing director um, in in the sales and marketing field and from that um, I I managed to work with uh, some major brands such as Talk Talk mm-hmm. and ADT Fine Security and um, essentially running you know their offices well running their offices uh, on behalf of of, of their sales teams etc across. Um, uh, Southampton, Bournemouth, and Portsmouth, where I was based at the time, and at, at the time I had no money. I had no money. I didn't have any. All I had was a, a, the contract and agreement with these major brands, um, but I had no no money. I had no not much experience in the in that industry, and um, more importantly, I had no no people um, in in the team. So I simply built a relationship with a um, a building. Uh, an owner of a building in right in the dead center of Southampton. Um, and they managed to give me a six month lease for free. Um, and from there, you know, I, I simply just built my team from headhunting because I didn't have any money for recruitment. And I, I grew the team to 26 people with two administrators, um, as well as, you know, running the office for a, a couple of years up until June last year. And, um, and I mean, essentially that's when I started thinking, and coming across, you know, this this idea and this 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 chance to to really create, you know, a massive massive um, success within the nut spread category and yeah, and the rest is history, I suppose. And um, obviously, you had all these endeavors going on, and and obviously the the peanut butter product as well, which looks great, by the way. Um, but Peter Jones, uh, I think it was Peter Jones said that you appear to be uh, desperate for success in inverted commas uh, so where do you think that kind of I mean, came from I, I mean it's it's uh, it's it's always probably out of all of the comments that was that was written I mean that was said it was probably the thing that I I, I don't think I'll ever understand um, and, <laughs> and 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 in all it's it, it's a it's a parable you know of 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 a sentence because by saying 
being desperate for success. Well, in, to, in all honesty, what happened in the real live point of when that happened, I, I paused for about 20 seconds and it wasn't because I was unsure of what to say, but what I was running through my head was, well, sure. Well, I know a lot about you and you were desperate for success in inverted commas also 25 years ago, because, because what, what's very crucial about an entrepreneur is not that you have to be desperate for success, but you have to live the opportunity like it is your last opportunity. You have to live the opportunity like it is kind of life or death for you to succeed. So to, by using the sentence desperate for success, then I can only say by, by not being desperate, it means you're quite relaxed about success. I don't, it, it wasn't a sentence that I can understand how that's a downside. Um, however... I mean, it, yeah, it, it was it was something that I just never really understood. Um, and again, I think it was a TV line, um, a line meant for TV, because um, it just personally doesn't make any sense to me. And fellow entrepreneurs that I speak to just doesn't they they just don't understand why that was said. But again, like I, like I go back to, I I can understand it's a very much um, there's a lot of lines and things that were said. To, to make it is for you know to make it interesting for television because that's what yeah. i mean when i saw it it looked as if you were kind of kind of that that comment really hit you in the heart and i know a lot of entrepreneurs get into entrepreneurship because of like maybe money woes in their life that have been brought yeah, up and, families I, that are and of- i mean i mean that's the thing i mean even if even if it wasn't nothing to do with money and it and i just wanted i mean like <sighs> You take any you take any world leader, you take anyone who's done something phenomenal, you know, in 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 creating something from nothing, and they had to be desperate or really, really, you know, work sleepless nights and 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 work incredibly hard to get to that position. So I mean, the sentence "desperate for success" just kind of means you're that, motivated. that you're motivated exactly, and, and it, or, it, it it's. It's again, even if you take away the finance, it doesn't mean it, it just doesn't make sense that sentence at all in my book, you know. But again, I, I again, it's just one of those things, you know. Quite quite funnily enough, I, I you know, I've actually from watching and reading a lot of a lot of the dragons, I, I know almost all of them as near enough said that they've been desperate for success um, themselves. Um, so, so I, I don't, I, I personally don't understand the sentence, but, you know, it happens, I suppose it happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really like your answer to that. Yeah. Um, we talk a lot about education on our, um, on our podcast, and obviously you said yourself that you dropped out of economics and education. I don't know, yeah. was it was it not for you? What, what didn't you feel fit for well, you? Yeah. Well, well, here's the interesting thing about it, and this is kind of the irony of it, I guess, um, is what I want to, what what my long-term goal is, and, uh, you know, move it, uh, you know, not saying it, it, it's definitely, you know, it's, it's certainly within the food industry and, and, you know, making the wild peanut a massive success. But of course, what I also do at the same time is that I'm a TEDx curator as well. So I create, uh, I'm a, I, 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 I organize TEDx events. Okay. Um, Did you organize uh, the Hackney one? No, no, we, I organized TEDx Square Mile. So the next event for us is the 8th of November um, in uh, central London. And, what what's so important to me, and the reason why I mentioned this is 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 um, is education, actually, fun enough. But the right sort of education to match the, the person who who is in front of them, and there are different learning styles, and there's different things that bite different people. Um, some people learn mainly. For, uh, firstly, as learning styles, from some people learning learns a lot from visual learning. Some people learns a lot from audible learning. Some people kinetically. Um, people hear the world, see the world, or feel the world. Everyone has one of those things that mean more to them. And the same goes for, for education. What happens is there's a very, very colonial structure um, of how you need to do your SATs and then your um, GCSEs and your A-levels and, and university. But what happens is that keeps you very theoretically challenged, but it doesn't keep you, you, your, mind, it doesn't keep you, your mindset as well as your future endeavors very very challenge and and in short what i mean by that is you know that if you ask most 18 to 30 year olds or maybe even 30 plus um year olds you know what has really what how did they learn about finance and they will say they either self-taught 
or they got themselves into debt between 18 and 30 years old and it kind of learned the hard way. They hurt, they learned from feeling, not, not from hearing. And there's a lack of financial education classes before you're 16 years old. There's a lack of um, motivational classes where you, where you actually generally can come out of school when you're 16 and feel that you can do anything. Um, there's a lack of, um, you know, uh, actual education um, to, to, to run a business because there's some people that there's entrepreneurs in other countries that are, that are starting businesses now at 10 and 11 years old. But, but it's almost as if you don't know about the business world till you're 18 and, you know, by then a lot of different opportunities could pass you by. So just got kind of sidestepping from that question, you know, that is one, one of the most important things for me is, is um, making an influence and helping um, in the long term, you know, change this situation of this really, really structured curriculum that doesn't really help and benefit everyone. And, and to kind of sway on to what my, the, the reason why I left was really because um, it's not because I didn't. I wouldn't say I hated uni because it was one of the best experiences in my life. Um, I was on a. I was on <laughs> exactly. I was on a high two one. I, I was. I wasn't failing. I was doing really, really well. Um, it was really just because I realised I came across a crossroads where I was handed the opportunity during a gap uh, during a, my placement year uh, um, to learn the skills of the of the of the of the industry, and it was a case that. If at the end of that point I would go back, uh, nothing. I wasn't. I didn't. Wasn't really achieving anything. I would go back to university, and it was a case that um, I really weighed up the the options. I, I remember drawing a line down my page, and just thinking, and you know, putting my hands um, on my chin, and just thinking, okay, well, what am I actually going to do once I once I graduate? I'm just going to go and start and have a business again because I'm an entrepreneur. I'm not going to be an economist like I thought I was going to be two years before. So I thought, well, if I'm going to do that anyway, and I've just learned a year of skills on how to run a business, then why would I waste another year going back? Because besides, the point is, if I went back as well, I'd also no longer be able to have this contract. It would have been terminated. So I also would have lost that business. So... It was a way up of options and it wasn't easy, but essentially it was a case that I knew that I, I never was interested in going to work in the finance sector or to be honest for anyone, um, full stop, which, which means essentially it was, it, was, it, 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 it was counterproductive for me to spend another year studying to, to achieve that. Um, and that was why I ended up leaving university to, to carry on. But I, would I ever tell anyone that, because I, I, I know this is a, a cliche that a lot of people think that if someone leaves uni, they'll always have bad things to say. No, I, I'm 100% the opposite. I think university is perfect for um, maturing people, for sure, and also for, for for everything, the whole experience. But is it for everyone? Certainly not. Um, and is it for would I would I recommend entrepreneurs to go to university? Probably not, to be honest. Um, unless there, unless there's a specific um, education um, thing that you need to learn from going at uh, going to university um, otherwise it's a great opportunity and experience and it's something that to be honest I, I, I think if I would turn back the clock 20 times I'd do it every single time over cool good answer um, you said there like oh I wouldn't tell entrepreneurs but do you think like do you think I, I come across I think that most people are entrepreneurs it's just we've been sort of trained exactly think entrepreneurial exactly, exactly. And, I, and and I think that's the reason why, you know, if you're if you're not sure if you're an entrepreneur or you're not sure what you want to do, university is a perfect way to go. And I think I mean, it's a bit like a stalling ground. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And let, let, to be brutally honest, it's the reason why most people go to university is that they go to it because and just like me, you know, you don't have a clue what you're going to do when you're 18 and you, you just think, well, uni sounds fun <laughs> and there's a lot of, there's a, yeah, there's a chance for me to get away from my parents or my, or my mum or my dad, whichever. And, um, and it's a, it will be a good experience hanging out with my friends for a couple of years. You know, people aren't really, people aren't targeted enough and goal driven enough at 18 years old, like they are in Asia, like they are in many other parts in the world. Um, like, whereas they say, I'm going to go to university to get this degree and this specific um job afterwards and people don't really know what they're doing which is the reason why i think there was a recent survey where over almost 60 percent of students admit choosing the wrong subject after going into uni which is ridiculous really you're going ten thousand pounds plus into debt 
Perfect. And spending four yeah, years. It's gone to... up even more, hasn't it? Oh, it's gone up even exactly, and, and you're going into debt as well as that, as well as spending so many hours um, uh, educating yourself about a subject you're not interested in. I mean, I, I, all my friends are now graduated, of course, and and I have to be honest. I don't. I, there's only one person out of everyone I know that has actually got a, a job in the in the the role in the um, industry that he planned to be in, um, or the industry that he actually graduated his his um, degree in. A lot of people would do maybe a psychology degree and then become a lawyer. You know, it, it's uh, uh, or, or it, it's not it's not aligned enough, and it's mainly because we don't really have key goals when we're you know. 16 to 18 which is something that i feel can really drastically improve you know the whole nation if people are a lot more goal driven um and a lot more structured and planned about what they're going to do um or or at least they know for the next couple of years what they're going to do anyway um there'll be better results yeah i really i really like where where uh, we, we're kind of going with this one so i'm gonna do my typical thing which jen will will know me for uh, i'm gonna kind of throw you a bit of a not a curveball question, but a bit of a, a big open question. Um, <laughs> um, obviously, uh, and as Jem said, we talk a lot about the education system um, here on, on this podcast. So what do you think probably needs to be maybe the biggest change or, or maybe even a couple of changes that you would make to the education system just to kind of um, – because obviously it's it's kind of old school industrial revolution type stuff. So yeah. what would you change the education system just to make it more relevant to uh, millennials and, and people of, of that age? Well, there's, there's a few things that I change really. Um, and this is just talking off the cut because <laughs> it's a curveball question. Just yeah, sorry. I have a habit of doing that. <laughs> um, it, it, it's really the first thing I'll make sure that there's more psychometric testing when, when the child is about 12 or 13 years old. That way teachers can, and more importantly, parents even can work out what sort of thinker and learn um um how do, how does my child learn how does this child actually learn do they learn from feeling the world hearing the world or or, or seeing the world do they do they feel do they um understand more things from visuals and and from people drawing things or, or are they more of a, um a listener um or are they someone who more you know really needs to connect um and and i think if, the first step is once they can learn we can learn that about each individual child they they can start being much more strategized learning to to speed up um the effectiveness of education because i think you know that would that would mean even probably less um education time and more effectiveness which which is which is really really a drastic thing to do and i know it, it sounds a bit far fetched but i definitely feel that people you know, there's some people who's massively create, creatively minded, create minded, and and those people, you know, love to draw. They love to to to, to they love art. They love different things um, than the gen, the the much more about the mass population that that enjoys science, for example. You know, I know some people who have much they 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 love dealing with numerics, but uh, but unfortunately, the analytical side or the or theory based or writing essays, they really really struggle with. So we shouldn't really limit the point where people end GCSEs where, okay, um, Mr. X, um, child X got 10 GCSEs, child um, Z got five GCSEs. So it means um, child, the first child is smarter. Well, not necessarily, because it depends on what those 10 subjects are in. It depends what those five are in. If those five that he got A's in are all creative minded subjects, he's a genius just in a different way. Than people than we conformly see it in this country, and I think this is the issue that that, that it's a very very um, standard way of telling if someone's smart. If you're good at maths and science and English, then you're incredibly smart. You know, um, how how about if you're incredibly uh, um, uh, heroic at starting a business when you're 15 or 16 years old? Should those people not to be commended in equal stead? And I, and I mean, just to finish, the second thing that that I would mainly do to, to help push this forward is bring in more um, new different types of topics and, and, and subjects and learning um, bases. I mean, when we're growing up, we have a lot of very, if, if, if I'm being honest, very wishy-washy um, uh, um, subjects like PSHE, 
um, and you, things like this, which which is great for learning ge- general things on a day to day basis. But why not feel that and start teaching children about financial education? Why not use that to teach children those who are interested in how to how to 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 learn more about business? Why do we have to get to a certain age to learn about something which could change our life? It doesn't make any sense. And I think those are the key things. One one thing quote I heard recently was like education is all about creating self educators and obviously nowadays with the internet that is so much more available and like I look at my little brother who's kind of taught himself graphic design he's got his own little online business he's only fourteen years old he's making nearly a grand online and it's he's done that off his own back the school hasn't taught him that and so for me my main thing that I believe is that we just need to show people that there are these tools to educate yourself yeah yeah exactly 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 um. But, but I, I just mean on the uh, more on the scale of um, the way that we see, the, you know, the way that the world of work sees professions and mm-hmm. and the way the way the world of, world of work sees a smart person from someone who isn't as smart. And at the moment is unfortunately just seen as as how many who who has the most grades at GCSE and then in A levels, it's simply who has the most UCAS points. And then in university, it's simply who has the highest grade. And then that determines the job that someone then has, that most people have for the next 20 to 30 years. So it means essentially the, the, your life is defined by these numbers that come out at the end of these education points. Well, that means that it's really important that these educational points and these, these actual qualifications that people get does mean more than just a number on the page. And people should be looking more into it and realizing actually it matters more what the subject is aligned to what the person's like rather than you know oh this person has 20 G- 10 gtses so he's smarter than the other person with eight and unfortunately when i was growing up for sure i know and i still and i I'm, you know i i got 10 gtses a, a to c's in fact i think all, all but all but two of them were, were b's even and um and i i went to, i went to a level and i got i got bb I got BBC. Um, uh, so I, I, I never had any, uh, and if I'm honest, it was from me being very lazy. I, I, I achieved this. I wasn't, I, in no way was I academic, academically um, fantastic, but I, sh- I certainly never struggled going through school or college or, and I know I wouldn't have if I completed university, but I did realize that in, in short, that I wanted to create something great in my life. And I did from when I was 16 or 17. And I realized that if I come out of university with a two, one, or even a first, I'm just part of a pool of 200,000 people, which are all academically seen exactly the same way to the world of work, which means I don't want to be that person because I don't because I because I don't feel it's fair for the amount of work I've, and time I've put in to, to, to be in a pool of such a, a vast amount of other edu- uh, equally educated and fantastic people. But I realized that if I can really if I can change my own destiny and if I can actually create something great then I'd much rather have the, the control in myself to do it my, uh, completely on my own rather than um, relying on hoping an employee or an employer, um, you know, likes the way my CV is, um, is shown or, or, or et cetera. And, and I mean, you know, I was an, empl- I was an employee uh, employer in my old um, role and I know fellow employers that didn't look at a CV because someone would put their picture on the front of their CV. You know, they didn't look at their CV if all they did is uh, double click it and load it up and then simply press F5 to find um, or F3 to find and simply press the, and type in a random word that they want in the job. And if the person hasn't written that in their CV, there is no job. That's what depresses me because I think a lot of people send out their CVs and it's like a personal attack when someone says no, when actually, like you say, someone it's just didn't screen. put the keyword. It's ridiculous. It's- Exactly, and it's ridiculous. That's the difference between getting a, an interview or not. It's absolutely ridiculous, and and this this is the sort of thing that I didn't ever want to be involved in, and which is the reason why I just constantly, you know, uh, always will have the ambition to set up my own business or at least be around entrepreneurs. It's not that I have a problem. Again, it's that issue with or th- that cliche of entrepreneurs. A lot of people think you know, um, you don't like being told what to do that's the reason or you want to be your own boss well yes but that isn't that's only half of it you know i i remember we was doing i was in an interview for channel 4 news last a couple of weeks ago and it was like 
it is it's, it's crazy to to realize that that mo- almost every entrepreneur lives at least the first 18 months of their business way below minimum wage some people on 70 to 80p an hour when it's worked out the amount of hours that you put in mm-hmm. so so it's definitely not the money that people initially do it for and it's certainly not just doing it for their own boss but people are looking forward and realizing actually i don't want to be in that situation and uh, and i think it came down to that point when when i when i did look for placements before i i found that opportunity while i was in university and i got turned down constantly from roles that 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 i felt that i was good enough for to, to get an interview interview for and i just realized i don't want to be on that chase where i'm i'm hoping that an employer wakes up on the right side of the bed that morning and and sees my cv like james archer says you kind of chose yourself (laughs) yeah yeah exactly exactly and and that way i'm in control of my own um destiny you know in 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 actual fact so we're going to get onto the honey because we talk a lot about education the first thing i want to ask you is like i've been making peanut butter on toast with banana for years and i'm sure loads of people have what makes you decide to put those two things together and actually make a product out of it? Like, where does that come from? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very, very, very common question. Um, it's, um, I mean, with all the flavors, simply, we firstly, we've done a lot of intense surveying. Um, so we, we wanted to make sure I, I chose flavors that were equally very, very different, but also, you know, quite standardized you know people w- wouldn't look at it and be shocked at what it what it would potentially taste like you know the honey one would taste like peanut peanut butter and honey you know the chocolate would taste like chocolates and peanut butter and but uh, but i mean it really just came from the fact that i realized that people spread um peanut butter on toast for example but they don't just have it alone you know i know a lot of people know of it conventionally with jam but a lot of people slice bananas up with it a lot of people do put honey instead of sugar which is now a massive thing that's changing now um in in uh, certainly the health food market where people are now uh, avoiding using refined sugars such as white sugar and uh, and I, I guess it's just a fact that from there we want to want to come across with this brand that peanut butter isn't just for toast it's not just for you know, making sandwiches. It's for it's is a functional food that is very much like jam, if not actually better, because it's it's more healthier. So so uh, you know, uh, we really want to educate and let let people know the different possibilities of um of using peanut butter. You know, you can put it in porridge, like someone did who just bought it the other day. You can put it you can put it in uh, stews. The chili flavored peanut butter. The chocolate flavored peanut butter would be great for, for more indulgence or, or um, desserts. And really, it's just opening the category, you know, for for lo- lots of different ideas that people um, can give and and can do with their peanut butter on a day to day basis. But but like most people will think of that idea and say, oh, it'd be cool if someone made banana and peanut butter together, like. What makes you have the confidence to say, actually, maybe I can make it. Maybe I'll find out where I can make <laughs> peanuts. From well, I, well, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, yeah, I mean, it just really comes from the fact that, you know, uh, I remember when I was speaking uh, the other day, uh, you know, in another event, and, and, I, and I always say, and I always say the biggest, the biggest tip for any entrepreneur, and it was something that I kind of learned just by, 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 because this wasn't, you know, I didn't just wake up one day and, and learn all these things. I went intensely to so many mentor groups. I went intensely to so many meetups um, using meetup.com and stuff like that to learn from other entrepreneurs that know so much better than me and still do to this day. I take advice. And one of the biggest tips I always learn and I followed through was just start, you know, a lot of people just take so long pondering or saying that would be a good idea. Oh, maybe I'll do that one day. And they don't actually do it. Um, and to be honest, I came up with the idea and within about 24 hours or 48 hours, I just thought I'm going to do this. You know, I just said it to myself, I'm going to do this. I'm going to have a go. I'm going to have a crack at it. Um, and way, way before, to be honest, and kind of to answer the question more, more reasonably, um, way before I, I actually went into the business, I spent, I literally lived, I camped pretty much in the British library for the, for two months because I, 
because it was the only place in the, in London that had Mintel reports, which is reports that gives me everything I need to know about the market um, from top to bottom, uh, maybe a good hundred pages worth of it. So I wanted to ensure that the market was there. I wanted to ensure that it was an interest that people would be potentially interested in nationwide and worldwide. And um, once I'd done that, coupled with just my mindset just to do it and just to go for it, um, uh, that's what made me do it, really. Could you talk through like the actual like? So when you was like, was you like, okay, I need to get jars. Okay, I need to create a website. Okay, I need yeah. to find peanuts. How did you go about doing that? Sort I, I mean, of thing? I mean, I mean, I I met a, I met um, a a lady who's pretty. You know, I, I you know, I, I have no idea if I would even be. You know, I if I if I would have got to this position without her, and she she's such a she's such a massive help, Monique Borst, um, which was she's she's a, a food expert and. And she just taught me, she told me all the basics that I needed to gather and, and get together. And But to be honest, most of it was a learning curve for me, learning and asking other entrepreneurs and me being at events and being like, okay, this is the situation I'm currently at. And um, I had to kind of self-teach myself um, on what to do to, to push things forward. Um, but I, 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 I guess it was, I guess, you know, the one thing that really alarmed me was that when a lot of food experts said, you know, well, to get to a retail ready stage for, you know, any reputable brand, I mean, retailer to, to look at you, you need to probably invest about £75,000. And I was like, there's no, there's no way it's going to take, take that much. It should only cost me a couple of quid to, to get, to get the product, to, to get the product into a jar, put a label on it and, and just call up um tesco's a little bit like little, little little did i know it's a lot more <laughs> so it was a lot more difficult than that so that was my naivety of the industry and i learned uh, this is something i've come from and learned over the last 10 months about the industry but the key thing about it is that i've learned by doing um as well and continuing and pushing on um be, instead of just sitting in front of my computer researching for the next year because in the certainly in the food industry and to be honest in most industries you can miss your opportunity if you're too slow so um i have to ask something which i've been dying to ask you um (laughs) no this one isn't so much of a a curveball question um so after all of your hard work all of your research all of your product development and everything how did it feel when deborah meaden poured your uh, peanut butter out of the jar um, it's interesting actually because um, a lot of people a lot of people ask me this and the, 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 the first answer that I have to tell you is that I wasn't actually too bothered um, and there were a few, the few reasons why I wasn't bothered actually um, the first thing again it was heavily edited the show because what actually happened was you did hear she asked me the question and I said because it's natural and what actually happened is even Kelly she, you, you heard Kelly say something like I prefer it like that but they actually, actually then had to tell Deborah that that is how it is when it's natural because it's 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 it's, it's it separates the oil separates um, from the yeah. uh, jar. Now the actual reason why it poured out the way she done it is because again another thing that probably if I <laughs> probably if I said this it would have been edited out anyway because it would have the real reason the real reason behind it was because I I had to come into the den at like seven thirty a.m. And I had to put all my jars on a ta- on that table. And those tables that you see on all the, the other entrepreneurs, they're not the same table. They're, they're, they're different ones. Mm-hmm. So that, and what happens is, is the, the, produce, the, the, the production team is actually um, taking pictures of it and recording it or uh, whichever during from 7.30 to I actually went on to, not till 2.30. I went on. And during that entire period, there was, a, there was two huge lights that were shining on it that entire period <laughs> and yeah and, and 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 yeah it's honest it's true and and, and because of that the, the the heat of that made it's almost like it being in a microwave for six hours it's like of course it's going to be really liquidy you throw in you you put anything in 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 a heat in a hot hot condition for that many hours that's the reason why it pours out like that you know and um and if I said that they definitely would have edited that out of course yeah. <laughs> so that ultimately didn't make any difference but I mean yeah you, you just you just love it now i mean the the reality the reality is 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 even even if it wasn't underneath the light 
it's it is much more liquidy than of course the um the peanut butter with palm oil because 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 palm oil obviously stabilizes the uh the product but yeah that's the re- that is actually the real reason why that happened um it isn't it isn't that liquidy just to <laughs> another thing they said was um this is a really easily replicable like re- re- replicable I can say the word replicatable replicatable product and obviously a lot of entrepreneurs will kind of say oh I want to make this product but oh so they'll go online and say oh someone's kind of made something similar I think you said there's similar things out there yeah like, why do you why do you feel, I mean a lot of that put people off from even starting well, how comes it didn't well, put you off well, well again it's just such a it's such a it's such a cliche thing it's such a thing that again made me laugh because it doesn't that's such an obvious point what they mentioned mm-hmm. because we all know the food industry is you can't patent anything whatsoever. You can't patent any recipes. You can't, there's nothing you can do, which is the reason why every company can copy any company that that's you, you can wake up tomorrow and copy innocence brand. If you want, no one, no one can, no one can stop you copy, copying the re- recipe that they've got. But what is, what is crucial is that is the understanding that, that we are built with the, the, Again, yeah. I mean, to directly answer your your question, I mean, I wasn't worried by by that point because I knew that, that was going to be a question that comes up, and I, I'm not worried even now if if a competitor tries to copy it because I, I I'm I believe in my product and my brand, and I know that you know with this brand, you know, we can build you know a great um uh, you know community whereby people actually um do generally not just buy the product because of the taste, but buys buys it because we're doing something great as well um and our point of difference you know it doesn't just lie in the fact that it's different flavors it also is uh and 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 in no way am i saying that i'm that we partnered with triade because of um because of commercial reasons but certainly we're the only company you know in the spread in the spread category that is directly partnered with a charity um so 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 i mean the the key thing is that, that i'm trying to mention is that our brand isn't just about the flavors so the if, if another company came out of a flavor, the, the flavored peanut butter um, that is the same as ours, then they're not going to be the same as ours for, for what we stand for um, and what we want to do. Um, but ultimately, yes, that is everyone. Anyone can copy any product in the food industry. That's one of the reasons why I, I purposely went on the show, knowing that the show would be, wouldn't be shown for another four to five months after I went on. Cause I was actually on in April. Um, um, uh, and uh, but 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 knowing so is that you you've just really got to speed and do things as efficient as possible to move things on. So what would you say to like an entrepreneur who's kind of got an idea but seeing there's other ones out there? Just create a point of difference. Have a point of difference. Something different about your product and a different reason for someone to pick up your brand rather than someone else's. Um, and it doesn't always have to be because the taste is different. Um, and not saying our taste isn't our taste is different and I'm confident that our recipe is very unique and even if someone did try to copy they wouldn't be able to get you know the same taste that we do get however flavor isn't the main the only point of difference Um, there's a lot of different things that you can do to make your brand look and feel and even sound different to other brands and I think that's what's really important so I know you said that touched on there a bit about like sort of being a bit of a social aware business and um, everyone sort of bangs on about the millennials like we're generation nice. Was it more that you kind of felt you had a responsibility or was it more for that commercial reason? Like how important do you think it is for people to sort of create these sort of mindful businesses and actually not just be thinking about themselves and their profit lines? Um, yeah, I think it's really important because you've got to realise what what do you start a business for? And it's like... You start the business to get rich. Well, you don't. Well, the reality is, is that that's a, the reason why it's a poor reason to start to get rich uh, to to try and start to get rich is because there's a number of reasons actually. The first reason is mainly because you'll probably have a higher chance, you know, statistically as well as you can still do it from being employed. There, there's no, there's no, there's, there's no nothing stopping the opportunity of you being able to set up. I mean, go through the ranks and uh, all, certainly in sales anyway, and and be earning ridiculous commissions that are far greater than someone who's running the business. So you've got to have something else that makes you tick. Um, 
and, and I think what's crucial about this is that you've got to really know why you're actually starting the business. If you are starting it to, to, to make money, then a lot of the time you make um, a decisions just based on trying to bring more cash flow into the, to, to the business forever. And that would be the only benefit of why you're going to be running your business on a day-to-day basis. And that, that for me, isn't enjoyable. Um, uh, and it's not really... It doesn't. It doesn't. It's not. It's not long term substantial because when you make a lot of money, when you make a million pounds, now what are you going to look for to make two million? Once you make a billion, are you going to try and make ten billion? When does it stop? If there is, if there, if your goal is money, um, when does it actually stop? When, when what's your goal margin? And by having a, um, a, a sustainable goal, um, it means that. Even if my goal never ends, even if you know our goal is to help plant 100,000 trees by the year 2018 with them, but even if our goal gets to 100,000 uh, trees by 2018, then even if it changes to a million, well, at least I'm actually doing something that's changing lives rather than going from 10 million to 100 million isn't really changing anyone's life but my own. And that's really the reason, in short, why I feel people who run a business that's profitable as well as um, sustainable really, really deserves, you know, great, you know, the greatest respects, all the great companies that do that because, um, you know, it's very easy to start to, and I know, I know this, I think this is one of the parts that was in the show and I can't even remember to this point now, but I know, I know either way it was something that one of the dragons did mention. Um, And that's, you know, they don't like businesses that 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 say that they they're sustainable or part that or partnered with charities when they're not until they're incredibly profitable themselves. And it isn't the it isn't just money that you can give to charities. In fact, that isn't the most important thing. What's the most important is awareness, um, and that that's free. That's complete free. Um, Merchants. I mean, we we have we have triades inf- um, information at the back of our jars. And that means every single person who would buy a jar will have will know about TreeAid, and that awareness is enough for them to click the website and potentially donate themselves. And I realised that if I can create a million followers for for something great, that's a lot more effective than me just throwing in money as and when I can, um, and calling it CSR or a department of sustainability in my business, which is nothing like what it really, really is. Yeah. Um- so just before we we start wrapping things up, um, obviously you went on to Dragon's Den, and unfortunately you didn't manage to get an investment. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not that was your end goal, I'm not entirely sure, given what you said with regard to um, um, kind yeah. of exposure. But one thing I wanted to ask was uh, whether or not you've uh, considered crowdfunding at all. Well, yeah, I mean, well, just 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 a quick, just to clear this part that 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 question up, just to say, I'm a very honest person. I, I certainly did go in for investment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that I didn't go in for investment um, because I didn't get it. So I did certainly go in for investment, but in hindsight now, I genuinely am pleased actually that I pr- didn't get investment. For, for in that situation because of the deal that I would have ended up getting would have been so, so crippling. Um, if you know, the, 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 based on, based on the situation my business was in, it was a very, it was, it's early stage. It means, um, I may not have, um, been in the position that I would, well, I would have simply really, really lost out, but certainly I, I went for investment when I went in there 100%. So, um, and just moving on to that. Yeah. I mean, since then, again, in, ironically, I actually got investment. Bef- um, I accepted Angel Investment before the show was actually even aired uh, a couple oh, of weeks wow. ago. So I've a- so, so I've actually already I've now got investment. Um, and funny enough, I got it before the show was even aired, um, uh, which I always thought would probably happen the other way around. But um, that's that that's already that's happened, which is great news. And you know that's massively helped me. Um, be integrated and, and learn from people who have been in the industry for 20 to 30 years um, and what has massively helped me is now really propel forward and get the, the we're now at final stage of terms with a, a three or four major well three or four retailers across the, uh, the country um, to be to, to be stocked there within the next four weeks 
So we're, we're, we're in a really, it's a really exciting position and, and certainly the investment has helped that. Yeah, because I mean, I, I straight away when the episode went out, I just started like looking on Twitter and I know you was getting a lot of love from people who were like really supporting you, asking how they can buy it. So I was like, well, if he ain't getting any fund, um, any funding from Dragon's Den, why don't he just reach out to all these people on social media who are actually uh, on the product right yeah, now? Yeah, I mean, I even looked and I couldn't be, I wanted to buy a pot even yesterday. I was like, I want to get some before I speak to you. But I mean, it weren't obviously weren't available. I was looking for the banana one. But yeah, like, I don't know how did you make use of all that. Yeah, and I mean, exactly. I mean, that's that's always how I thought it would be. Uh, I mean, as in, that's how I thought my Trump card would be almost. Uh, I was going to launch a crowdfund, um, much like how um, one of the girls did, I think, the week after um, that I was on. Um, that was, she had a company called Mallow and Marsh, and I think she'd done that the week after. She actually launched a crowdfund the week, the week that she had the show. Uh, and I was going to do that as my backup if I didn't get investment before I the show was shown. Um, but fortunately that, that did happen. The reason <laughs> we, we quickly sold out, we sold about five or 600 jars that evening, um, which sold out the initial quota that we had. And then when we got restocked a few days later, we then instantly sold out very quickly again, um, in some of the flavors because the, because the, the, the flavors, the flavors in the stock that is available for the, our website, um, is different from the ones that would, would be available for, um so the retailers that we're approaching because they're, they're they're different sizes um however you know i i certainly tried to maximize that situation as much as i could and um you know likewise you know it, i had an opportunity to go on channel 4 and itv over the last two or two and a half weeks due to um being on the show so it's um it is it, it's, it's really good exposure uh but the key thing is now is really proving that the <laughs> Uh, that the next um, article that comes out is um, how the dragons are wrong, <laughs> and, and 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 that's really the one that's going to be that's, that's definitely going to come out soon because I really feel that within the next um, couple of months, certainly before the winter period, that we would have um, secured these major major um, contracts and really pushed on um, with regards to gaining you know a, a national worldwide. A national and then moving on to to a worldwide retail over the next couple of years maybe we'll use that as a title for the episode as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so every time we have a guest on here we yeah. to wrap the interview up we always ask two questions the show is called powerful nonsense so we yeah. always ask first of all what's the most powerful piece of advice you've ever been given and then the second question is, what's the biggest load of nonsense you've ever heard? <laughs> okay. Um, good questions. Um, I, I guess the first, <laughs> I guess the first thing, I, 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 sorry to answer just two different things that are equally great. And um, that's really always stuck with me, I'd say. And the first thing is, um, it is actually just a very simple two word um, quote. And that's do it you know just actually just start instead of just looking constantly through research and twiddling your thumbs or or procrastinating just actually start and you never know what you could genuinely achieve from that it's better to have the feeling that okay i tried and it it didn't work out at this current time than i wish i did try and that's a massive difference between the two the second one is actually a quote and that's always stuck with me um and it's um, the greatest portrayal in life is settling for what you currently have, for what you truly want. Um, because I feel a lot of people are unhappy with what they're actually doing in life. Um, and that, that's the greatest portrayal. You do something about it. Change change it. If you're going to be a, um, a cleaner, be the best cleaner. Enjoy your job. You know, Enjoy what you're doing. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense to be in the role that you are. And I think the, the biggest nonsense, I'd say... <laughs> is just saying you can't you can't do it dot 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 I, and i'd say the big i'd say the biggest thing that i've always heard that is nonsense is you can't do it with no money you can't i have no money or or someone telling you that it can't be done because you because you haven't got any money and the reason why i know that is because this is my fourth business that incidentally i've started with zero money in fact i actually started the business the last business before this one in debt um so so I so I know for sure that there's always a way around everything. There's always a way to start something from nothing. 
And I, and I feel anyone who gives advice saying, well, I can't do this because, or this person can't do this because um, I haven't got any money is just nonsense. Great. Um, is there any, are there any sort of books in your life that you thought, oh, these kind of books really sort of helped you out? Is there like one or two maybe? For yes. yes, 100%. Um, the greatest book I've ever read that completely changed my life and changed my mindset is, without a shadow of a doubt, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Um, that That is the greatest book I've ever read um, is every it's, it's what I would advise anyone if they would only ever read one book in their entire life. It's that book. Um, and yeah, I, you know, I, I, you know, no other book comes even closer. I obviously, there's loads, there's hundreds of fantastic books, but that's the book that's really changed my, my life personally. Cool. And just to finally, um, how can people find out more about you and how can they get some of your lovely honey, which I can't wait to order. <laughs> well, the honey's in stock anyway, just albeit in the smaller jars at the moment. Did I say so honey? Does that mean peanut? Peanut. Oh uh, yeah, well peanut butter. Well, in general, yeah, you can get you can you can um you can you can get our jars online on a few different websites. Mainly, um, check out the www.thewildpeanut.co.uk. Um, we're, we're always happy to have a chat, and and we're really interactive. Um, to whoever messages us, to contact us on Twitter or drop us a message on Facebook. Um, uh, the handle on Twitter is um, wild underscore peanut um, and the Facebook one is simply just forward slash the wild peanut no spaces um, or even just give us a call so really um, it's, it's really easy to contact us and, and I, I would really one of my key goals of the business is however big huge the business gets we're always going to be the same as we are at this stage as far as being easy to speak to easy to reply to and just as a tip as a, as a point we we ensure that we reply to and respond to every single email that we ever get from anyone <laughs> so that is <laughs> yeah exactly so we, we ensure we we always will reply to your email um uh, sorry i forgot that within within 48 hours so you'll always get an email back from us um that will, will that will always um be helpful so keep in contact and i definitely look forward to hearing from anyone that would like to chat excellent well it's been really great to chat to you and i'm sure we'd love to have you on again maybe a year down the yeah, line definitely. to see how things are going yeah. for you. 100% yeah i look forward to that cool well thanks a lot and um yeah we'll speak to you soon and best of luck all right cheers thanks see you later. thanks Akeem. bye bye so that was Akeem Ajuko. What a man, what a man. What a man. He's a little bit nuts. <laughs> oh, Wayne. Sorry. I had to I had to kind of throw that one in there. We didn't actually do any puns while I was actually on the interview. No. We, we should have kind of set ourselves a challenge we, we to see if out. we can drop those in. Because they always do it. You know the guy who... Maybe we needed to butter him up first. <laughs> oh, there we go. Because <laughs> you know the guy in Dragon's Den, he's always like full of them, isn't he? Yeah. Like somebody, some poor guy in the background has to rewrite in these cheesy puns for him to come out with. <laughs> but anyway, back to Akeem. I hope you enjoyed him. I think he's a great guy. And we really want to be getting more of these young entrepreneurs on because of, obviously they're so inspirational. And it just proves that like... You can start a business at any age and like you said, like you don't need money to get going. And what I really liked is just the importance of actually reaching out to people who are where you want to be. And he's, as he said, he's so open. I'm going to be meeting up with him and I just reached out to him by an email. So even if you want to just send him an email, I'm sure he'll get back to you if you want some advice. Yeah, and I think that you kind of touched on a key thing which I, which I learned when I set up my company is really just don't be afraid to ask for help. Because you'll be surprised how many people are actually willing. Uh, I think I think it was uh, Michael Hyatt put it best. He said, "People want to give people advice. People feel empowered when they give people advice." Yeah, it feels good when you know you've helped someone. You walk away saying, "Oh, I really hope I've helped that person yeah. out." Yeah, and also even if you if you were to look at it just from an ego perspective, even if they're ego driven, some of the most egotistical people in the world want to give people advice because it makes them feel important. So. On both ends of the spectrum, the people that genuinely want to help people will help, and the ego-driven people will also help. So, obviously, if you're going to reach out to them, don't say, I realise you're an ego-driven person. So. <laughs> you can do that to us, that's fine. You yeah, can tell that, us, I know you like talking a lot. And... <laughs> you like the sound of your own voice, so... But how can people get in touch with us, Wayne? Well, I like what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of threw me, but I like it. Um, <laughs> well, you can get in contact with us in various ways. You could email us, first of all. If you want to email me, you can email me at wayne at powerfulnonsense.com. 
Yes, and you can email me at gem at powerfinance.com. Or, if you prefer, if you are a Twitter user, you can tweet me. Why do you sound like a cheesy advert? If you're a Twitter user, you can tweet me. How can we tweet you? You can tweet me at Wayne underscore Ingram. Or you can tweet me at C-K-Y-I-L-T. D-I-Z. Another thing, I set up a Facebook group. I'm not quite sure how do you, I guess it's slash something, but I need to, I've set up a private, well, not private, sort of open Facebook group for people who listen to Powerful Nonsense Podcast. Why I don't will, you link it on PowerfulNonsense.com? I will, I will link to it. So you can just join in there and we, we are on there all the time so we can have discussions. We put great content in there. I've also set up a Instagram account, which is powerful underscore nonsense, which I'll be just sharing loads of sort of motivational quotes that i kind of put out on twitter and stuff like that so also check that out um another thing is um akeem mentioned the book rich dad poor dad and if you want to get that book for free on audible on audible that's the one audible go to audibletrial.com slash nonsense and you can get that for free as a free download completely yours or again we'll put a link through on the blog if you want to help support the show we put affiliate links for the books we share it gives us a little bit of money and it just helps us to pay for sort of the software to well to put on this show and to keep it running for you guys yeah anything else have i missed out anything um no and why not just sign up to my newsletter if you like yeah powerful nonsense newsletter check it out powerfulnonsense.com i think that's it it's quite a long intro intro outro you're at the wrong end of the show jim i know god damn it back (laughs) in your tardis and go the other way Does the TARDIS make that noise? Uh, No, I'm not going to do an impression of the TARDIS. Cool. We should probably go. Yeah, we probably should. All right. Well, till next time. (laughs) Have a great week. (laughs) See you later.